I'm Jared, and welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then take a seat with an open mind and a full glass as I examine reality through the blurry lens of my own individual perspective. Have a nice cold sip while I talk about self-awareness. What does it mean to be self-aware steeps? By definition, self-awareness is conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. And when I think of self-awareness, when you look at it in greater detail, it really encompasses so much about one's own perception and one's own reality. I think a lot of times we grow older we gain a personality, we learn who we are, we become something. And that something becomes us. We are ourselves. We have a voice, we have a dialect, we have an attitude, we have goals, ambitions, all of that, right? But I think what goes even a layer deeper than that is understanding yourself within the context of your own environment within your situation and maybe using that is a tool to almost evaluate your own thinking your own emotions or your own presentation if you will and i've been thinking a lot about self-awareness lately because i feel like personally life it can be a challenging journey at times and i think for me just as time marches on and as I continue to get older, I'm now the proud father of two littles, a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. And I have a good career. I have a wonderful, beautiful, amazing life. I have great friends who I love. And overall, I am in a really good position where I'm happy with my life. But that doesn't mean that there haven't been challenges along the way that have really tested me in ways that... Sometimes I didn't expect, and sometimes I did expect, but I don't think I was prepared for it as much as I should have been. And for me, self-awareness has been a concept that I feel like has been growing within me, especially recently, because I've had to really, again, evaluate my life and where I'm going and kind of figure out what do I need to do to get to where I need to go. And to help my family get to where they want to go as well. Because at the end of the day, as a family man, I, I can't just look after myself anymore. I have to look after myself and my kids and my wife. And that also is a big part of what has been kind of helping me evolve to this new phase of my existence where I'm really trying to tune in more to that self-awareness because I feel like it is so critical to the human experience. And while there's many areas in my life where I feel like my own ability to be self-aware has been challenged, there are some distinct examples, which I would like to call out on today's iced tea, that I think are just very valuable learning lessons for me to reflect on in my own life, but also hopefully to serve as an anecdote for somebody else. So first and foremost, I think it goes without saying that when I became a parent, when I became a father for the first time, and then when I became a father again to my second child, my son, 
it it was definitely a moment of adaptation. I think that I agree that while there can be some foundational pieces in place that are important to have in place before you have kids, like stable finances and a stable home and an open heart and things like that, you're never going to be in a perfect situation to have children. So naturally, my wife and I, we had felt that we were in a good enough position to try for kids. And we, we had two kids, obviously. And then I get to the point where now I'm a father. And what really is hard to understand if you're not a parent is those interactions with your children that are challenging. It's easy in the moments that you enjoy where you're filled with happiness and you're all smiles and you're laughing and you're you're just feeling so many positive emotions and it's it's very natural. I feel like a lot of times when we have these positive emotions, obviously we're encouraged to share these. We're encouraged to really live the moment, right? And we're not really taught at least in a healthy environment to suppress those emotions and those feelings. But it's when you get into those challenging moments where you're arguing with someone that you love or someone that's close to you, or you're at some sort of impasse or something bad happens. And you have to be able to evaluate your circumstances, how you're feeling, how you're responding, and do the next best thing. And I think we're all guilty of it, but it's definitely something I haven't always made the best decision in these cases where maybe I did respond a little out of tone. And maybe there were times where I felt that I could have handled the situation better. But it's it's part of getting older. And, you know, that's in any of my relationships, right? Where you might snap at somebody or you raise your voice or you you just feel the emotions in the moment without really synthesizing them first and understanding what you need to do to have a healthy, productive conversation. And I'll tell you, having kids will really test you because they will frustrate you. They will confuse you at times. They will do things that are almost preposterous, but that is the name of the game. And then even in my long-term relationship with my wife, when we were early on and we first moved in together, we had our own challenges. Moments where I was like, you know, everything seemed too good to be true for many years and we were dating. And then when we started to live together, things got real. You know, there obviously things were still great and amazing as always, but there were these bumps we had to iron out and specifically with conflict where I was somebody, and I always have had a tendency to, to be defensive and take things personally. And I think that's something that has been very challenging in my close personal relationships, my friendships, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids. It's always been an uphill battle for me to try to not take things as personally and take it as a personal attack because that's just who I am. Like I just, for some reason, when I hear a snippy comment from somebody or I get negative feedback that I don't think was delivered that well, when again, in all actuality, there, there's not many deliveries of negative feedback that are going to be experienced positively, if any, right? So that that's something I've had to learn a lot over the years. But, you know, I, I would have this perception that if I realize that someone's giving me this negative feedback, and it's done so 
you know, in, in what I thought was not a nice way, I would get defensive about it because I would think, okay, well, this is like, I, I'm taking it as like a personal attack because I, I just felt like I was being cornered, you know? And it, it kind of gave me in that moment, this, the sense that like I was failing, but I wasn't being supported. And as you could see, if you could reflect on it from another perspective, you could see how flawed that thinking is and how flawed this thinking that I've had for most of my life has been that just because someone gives you negative feedback, regardless of the delivery, if it's, you know, happy, tone deaf, mad, at the end of the day, you have to be able to separate the delivery and, and separate the words being thrown at you from that of a personal attack, you have to be able to separate that feeling and just look at it very objectively. And I feel like one tool that's really helped me do that in my interpersonal relationships is actually starting to almost anticipate some of these things, like having the self-awareness to understand when I'm going through a challenging moment and maybe I feel like I'm dropping the ball on something or maybe I didn't come off with the best response, or maybe I, I took a wrong turn somewhere, right? I feel like almost having that self-awareness in the moment of what I'm actually doing and acknowledging that maybe it's not the best decision or I could have made a better decision, that sometimes can soften the blow for me because then if someone gives me that feedback, I'm not totally caught off guard. I kind of, I can understand actually a lot easier why I'm getting that feedback. And even if it's not something I'm anticipating, I think a tool that I'm using to get better at taking that constructive feedback in my interpersonal relationships is just giving myself a moment of pause. When I'm being delivered negative feedback from somebody, it's a matter of just pumping the brakes, right? And taking a minute to just listen to them and be as stoic and emotionless as possible. And it's something that's actually worked for me quite well. And I say this because it's almost like when we tell toddlers to, you know, manage their big feelings and take a deep breath and just focus on their breath. And I tell you, Steeps, if you focus on your breath and you focus on your mental space, you can get to that calm place and evaluate what is being said against you very objectively, which is super important. So. I'm not here to tell everybody here on this podcast that I'm perfect now. I, I think, you know, even though I've talked about in a previous episode on this podcast before that I am somebody that naturally strives for perfection because that's just my personality. That's in my DNA, which is part of me being self-aware. But at the same time, I've over the years developed the self-awareness that I'm never going to be perfect. I can strive for perfection, but expecting perfection in any regard is preposterous <laughs> equally because we're human beings we are flawed creatures and even if we were some other type of creature or machine does that change the fact that the universe just inherently has flaws and inherently has quantum fluctuations if you will like everywhere you look there is beauty in the imperfection it's just a matter of how you look at it so I've really tried to get a lot better at just realizing that I'm not going to be perfect. I can strive for this perfection. So 
part of that is, yes, getting better at taking that constructive feedback and handling that constructive criticism, but at the same time, understanding that it's okay if sometimes I slip up and maybe sometimes I don't handle it the best, or maybe it is a really rough conversation for me and I'm kind of in my feelings for a second. That's a learning experience for me. You know, as long as I live my golden rule and I'm not hurting other people, then I have the right to process those emotions and figure out where I need to go from there, right? So it, it's a matter of, again, just me trying to develop an understanding of where people are coming from. And I again, like I said, I may not always respond the best. I still have my moments once in a while, but I think it's something I've really tried to get better at. And I, I'll tell you what, getting into a serious long-term relationship really helped with a lot of my growth in terms of my actions and and how I needed to communicate with someone very close to me because it was something that while I felt like I was already really good at, it was something that even then I still had lessons to learn about, you know, not, not making any assumptions whatsoever and always looking at the other person's perspective or putting yourself in the other person's shoes to see like, okay, well, you may have thought you meant this, but what if they interpreted it differently? Like how, how would they have interpreted it? And that's something that's also really helped with my growth in my interpersonal communications is just understanding that not everybody's going to perceive the same exact words or inflections the exact same. That is something that does take a lot of growth to determine because then you realize that because we are all unique creatures as different human beings, that sometimes you weren't a bad person for saying what you did. You just didn't know how that affected somebody else and you need to learn from it. I do believe that people are allowed to have those learning experiences. At the end of the day though, if you're continuing to intentionally hurt other people because you're choosing not to learn from those experiences, then that's really wrong. And I think that anybody should try to work on themselves to not be that way. But besides my long-term committed relationship, my children have also really challenged me as well because it's like a matter of, my wife always says it, it, it's like me, a very logical, meticulous person trying to reason with unreasonable creatures, <laughs> you know, unreasonable people, like young children, like toddlers, like my daughter can talk and understand just about everything that I say, and I can understand just about everything she says. But the communication is so, so different. And sometimes I still catch myself going in the loop where I'm trying to reason with her. And I just have to take a moment to step back and realize, Jared, getting frustrated is not going to change anything. You have to be able to see from her perspective and figure out what is going to make sense for her. What may make sense for me in reasoning with somebody is not going to work with a toddler. So I've really come a long way over the past few years at learning strategies to capture her attention, redirect her, calm her down, tell her, ask her to focus on her breath and, you know, kind of have fun with the conversation. Because if you're, if you approach a toddler too seriously or any young child, it can come off is very combative because again, you have to think about toddlers and young children are basically like what I have been most of my life, but on steroids in terms of handling confrontation in personal negative feedback, they're going to take it extremely personally. So 
you have to really be delicate with how you deliver feedback to a toddler or a young child in general. You have to be very cautious. I'm not saying that you need to protect them from feedback. That's not at all what I'm saying. But you need to deliver it in a way that is not, it's not going to be taken as negatively by them, right? I think that, and that's something that's very hard to do. I've learned this as a parent, even my wife sometimes still is, is like, this is so difficult to try and reason with them. But there's all different types of strategies that you can employ to, to reason with children and to keep them on the right track. Because that's our job as parents, you know, to keep our kids on the right path and to help them grow. Just like as I've been talking about throughout this whole episode, I believe as a father, as a husband, as a person, as a friend, as a member of this global society, I have an obligation to myself to work on myself, to continue growing, to continue to improve my self-awareness so that I can go out into the world and be the best version of myself that I can be, that I can be the best Jared from a cup of tea <laughs> that I can possibly be. It is a tough road. And I feel like part of it is just really being vulnerable. Like I'm being very vulnerable with this conversation about frustrating moments where I'm dealing with a challenge with my children or I'm having a, a difficult conflict with my significant other or one of my close friends and I need to work through it, right? And I even feel like with my wife, like going back to our interpersonal relationship, our arguments, while they're definitely few and far between, we're not immune from them whatsoever. I think that any couple that says that they don't have any disagreements or arguments is quite frankly lying to themselves because it's a natural part of the human experience to argue in a constructive way. People are going to have disagreements. Even if you were to clone yourself and live with yourself, you would inevitably disagree with yourself. It's just part of being distinct entities in this universe, right? No one is ever going to see eye to eye 100% of the time. It's about having healthy conflict resolution with your kids, with your significant other, with your friends, with your family, but whoever it may be. Healthy conflict resolution is very important. And again, when I first moved in with my wife and we were living together for the first time, I'll tell you, some of the arguments that we had were a lot more emotional than they had to be where especially I take the blame for it mostly because I again was taking this feedback that I was getting from my partner for something that I did that back then let's say five years ago I will be honest I did not have the self-awareness for it I had learned after the fact that there was something that I was doing that my partner was not happy with around the house. And for me, it was just a matter of like, it, it was it was almost devastating when I got that feedback, because it also just kind of ruined our whole evening. Because while, you know, my wife and I, we've always respected each other's personal space, and we've always been cordial. In that moment, our, our emotions, we were in in the thick of it, right? Like we were we are not responding to each other with the kindest of emotions. And 
at, at that moment again, like I said, I basically got this feedback from my wife about something I'd been doing around the house that she wasn't happy about. I responded in a poor emotional manner. And because I delved into this emotional conversation where I was kind of working myself up for no reason, it pretty much ruined our plans for that evening. And I had to really reflect inwards and ask myself, like, why did I let it get to that point? Why did I let myself get to tears? Why, why is this something that I took so personally? Fast forward five years later, my wife and I, we've been married for almost four years now, and we have not had any arguments like that in years. And it's because of the fact that we both have had the self-awareness to work on ourselves, and especially me, because again, like I said, it was my poor response to that initial feedback that got us to where we were. Like to my earlier points, I know I'm not perfect still. I know we still have our little moments here and there where we might bicker back and forth for a while, or we, we might have some conversations where we just really don't see eye to eye and we have to work through it. But I think we've gotten a lot better at the conflict resolution within our relationship where we can have constructive conversations about anything. And as I've mentioned on this podcast with my wife and Tal before, um, both of them, you know, being in a healthy relationship means allowing yourself to walk away from the conversation and revisit it when all parties involved are going to be equally engaged and not really carrying the weight of emotions into the conversation. So now, again, I'm proud of the fact that my wife and I, we can sit down and have an hours long conversation about something that's very difficult and very challenging for us, something that we would normally not see eye to eye on and come out of the conversation with a healthy perspective, whether we aligned in one way or another, or we agreed to disagree for some reason, and we've reconciled it. I, I think, you know, there, while obviously there's never been a significant barrier in our relationship, every couple has their challenges, and it's just a matter of working through them that is the most impactful for the human condition and human experience. So again, I think a lot of self-awareness I've been talking about on today's episode is really just kind of surrounding this idea of me understanding my emotions, me interpreting feedback, having difficult conversations, and also just, I think part of my growth in recent years, if we're talking about confrontation, it's the fact that I'm not a confrontational person at all. Anybody that knows me will tell you that <laughs> I'm not one for conflict. I can go to a Starbucks drive-thru and if I order a coffee with whipped cream on it and there's no whipped cream, I'll just drive away. <laughs> I will seriously just drive away because I, I like just for some reason, I don't want to be the guy that's being the squeaky wheel. I don't want to be like, oh, can I have my whipped cream, please? Like, I, no, I'm, I'm like, it's fine. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just get some ready whip at home and just put it on there. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's just, I'm not one for conflict. I never have been. It's not in my DNA. I'm one of the least confrontational people you'll ever meet. But it's, again, part of my growth as I've gotten older has been realizing the value that confrontation can bring in being self-aware that I don't like confrontation, I have to ask myself, why don't I like it? And maybe if I can answer that question, much like I asked myself, why am I offended by 
being given this feedback or this attitude by other people, then I can do something about it. You know, if I can really stay even keel in moments where my toddler is, you know, slapping me or saying mean and hurtful things by reconciling that they don't mean it and that I need to be the bigger person. And if reconciling my wife giving me tough feedback with the fact that we're going to maybe not always interpret words the same way. We're not always going to see things in the same light and we have to really have a constructive conversation to get there. Also, when it comes to confrontation, I have to, you know, ask myself like, okay, if I'm really worried about upsetting somebody or rubbing them the wrong way, why? Like at the end of the day, I, if I'm going to be objective and in interpreting others' feedback and interpreting others' emotions, ideas, thoughts, and all that, then I need to also look at it from a neutral point of view. Obviously, I think there are some cases where you have to consider other people's emotions, if they're very worked up, if they're very tense. You don't want to send anybody over the edge. I mean, I, I think we've heard the, in, in the headlines about road rage, about going out and Sometimes all it takes is someone honking their horn at the wrong person, and that could potentially be the end of it for them. And those are scary situations. And I think with anybody, you should tread lightly. I don't, I, I'm never going to encourage anybody to be overtly like forward or mean or challenging or difficult if you don't have to be. But again, it's, it's about speaking up for yourself. I think that's the value I've been trying to enhance with myself in terms of this not wanting confrontation in realizing that if I don't speak up, I'm not being fulfilled. Like all my needs aren't being fulfilled if I'm not speaking up about something that I'm not liking or I'm not getting, right? And that's so important to me. And it should be important to everybody. It's just a matter of how they go about it. So I have to look at it and, and weigh the risk reward. If it's something small and easy to fix, and it's something I paid for, why shouldn't I ask for it? Like, what's really stopping me? Because it's like, again, unless it's going to be something that's going to be a huge effort and waste everybody's time for very little gain, you know, that's something I'm willing to walk away from. But if it's something that's quick and easy to fix, or maybe it does take longer to fix, but you invested significant amounts of time or money into this thing, I, I think by all means, I deserve that, right? Because I'm not going to spend $600 on a 70-inch flat screen TV and be accidentally delivered a 50-inch. What's that do for me? I'm, I'm out of like 300 bucks at that point. That's not fair to me. And if I go to a restaurant and I order a drink on the side of my entree and they don't bring the drink, it, it should be like literally just minutes to go back and get that, right? So I've tried to rationalize it in that way, Steeps, and really look at it from that angle, because like with all the other things that I've mentioned in this episode about being self-aware, to me, self-awareness is truly stepping outside of your comfort zone. It's about stepping outside of your status quo and evaluating your situation and asking yourself the tough questions. That's what it's all about. That's what it all boils down to. Because again, when it came to confrontation, when it came to feedback and all these other things, 
I've had to ask myself the tough question in that moment, like, so what? Why? Why am I behaving this way? Why am I responding this way? Why am I not wanting to act? And typically when you get those answers, you are able to effectively change your approach to make the most impact. Like I'm very proud of myself that now I'm somebody that a lot of times, I will be honest, I'm not, <laughs> I don't have a perfect track record seeps, but most of the time if I go to a restaurant or a store and I don't get all the things that I paid for in the manner that I paid for them, then I will politely request that it's fixed. And if I'm having a customer service interaction and I feel that I've been misled or I've been not handled appropriately or not, you know, given the best experience that I would expect from a customer, then I will say something and I will escalate the situation because at the end of the day, I, I've got to look out for myself. And more importantly, I have to look out for my family, my wife and my kids, because they depend on me. They rely on me. I can't be a completely non-confrontational person because inevitably, I've just reconciled in life that conflicts are going to arise. They're going to happen. There's always going to be challenges. Like life is never going to be just sunshine and roses. You're never going to go through a whole lifetime and not have any disagreements or times where maybe someone's trying to sell you short intentionally or unintentionally, right? And you have to be your best advocate because at the end of the day, Nobody else is going to look out for you the way that you look out for yourself. That's why it's so important to have that mentality. I mean, yes, for those of us who are blessed to have family and friends by our side, of course, they can be strong advocates for us as well. But nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to be a bigger advocate for yourself than you. And that's why you have to stand up for yourself, but do it in a healthy and constructive manner. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Understand the situation at hand and all of its intricacies because those are all the facts and that's all the information that you need to make the best informed decision, to respond to a screaming child, to handle a difficult moment with your partner or your spouse, to work out a disagreement with a close friend, or to essentially get what you deserve if you feel like you're not getting it. So, I mean, I, I, for one, not too long ago, I've even had some conversations with my wife where I brought forward things that honestly steeps the Jared five years ago would have been basically quaking in his boots, trembling in his boots <laughs> with even the remote thought of bringing up such a conversation. But I've realized that just like I have to work on getting that feedback and how I handle it and how I convey that to other people, because I think there's another lever to this. If you're if you respond well to constructive criticism and negative feedback, that's going to give them more incentive to give you more constructive feedback as it comes up. And as long as, again, it's delivered with the right intent, you're only giving yourself more chances to grow as a person. So now I see it very differently where it's like by me responding poorly to constructive feedback and trying to reject it, I'm also rejecting other potential avenues for me to get more feedback and to learn more about myself, which is so important. 
But yes, I also myself equally have, have not just worked on how I respond to other people's constructive criticism, but I've also really worked on being the squeaky wheel sometimes and speaking up and saying things, even to my spouse, even to my kids. If it's like a difficult conversation, I don't want to point something out, but I have to. I will now wholeheartedly. I've worked up the strength and the mentality to be able to have these difficult conversations because if I don't bring it up and I don't say something, I'm not being the best parent I can be. I'm not being the best husband I could be. I'm not being the best friend I could be. I'm not being the best me that I can be. And ultimately, I'm not being my authentic self if I'm not being truthful to myself and speaking up. I think that we see a lot of anecdotes in society where people unfortunately are being subjugated by maybe a corporate entity or their family or people that they know in society. Or maybe it's even people that they don't know in society. That's a thing too, clearly, with systemic bias and racism and classism and sexism and all the isms. But again, you have to be your own biggest advocate. You have to be the squeaky wheel because nobody else is going to look out for your condition like you can. You can indeed unite with other people, work together on a common goal, but you have to be the one to get out of bed in the morning and look at yourself and say, I want to work on this. I want to be a better version of myself. I want to be more self-aware and understand the situation I'm in. Being self-aware is recognizing any potential threats around you. It's a matter of realizing that you know, especially here in the United States of America, you, you need to have your wits about you when you walk into a grocery store or a movie theater because you never know who's going to have a gun. You have to have your wits about you when you're driving down the street because you never know who's going to run that red light. You have to, if you're, especially if you're someone who identifies as female, you have to be wary of your surroundings when you're in a parking lot or walking down the street or something in, in some situation like that, because unfortunately, again, you never know if there's going to be someone that doesn't have the best intentions that is walking right behind you. And these are all really messed up things, but despite being uncomfortable with the thought of these things, I think they're things that we all have to think about and have our wits about us, because even if we're not in those shoes, we have to acknowledge that people go through these struggles. and. This is all part of physical self-awareness, right? Like truly understanding your situation in physical space and how to best protect yourself in your own agency. Then you have social awareness, which is essentially what I've been working on for the last five or so years in really enhancing my ability to confront others when I need to and being able to effectively synthesize constructive criticism without necessarily getting into my feelings and being more emotional than I have to be and really looking at it objectively. Then I think you even have a pillar of intellectual self-awareness, which is understanding what you know versus what you don't know. And that to me is very fascinating as well, because I feel like some people don't really like they don't always think about what it is that they know versus what they don't know. I think sometimes people just take things for granted. But imagine going to a foreign country and now all of a sudden having to read the street signs and speak the language. You're going to feel like a novice. You're almost going to feel like a baby 
because you may not know anything about this place. So always manage to put those things in perspective because we really each do have our own slice of reality that we live in. And just like we're never gonna be perfect in terms of our physical self-awareness, it's impossible to take into account every single factor that's surrounding you. You're never gonna be perfect with your social awareness because again, there's going to be times where everybody is going to not necessarily make the right decision in that moment in a confrontation or in a conflict or um, in a relationship. And it may be something that maybe is pretty minor or maybe it's pretty significant. And then again, when it comes to, to intellectual self-awareness, there are going to be things that you just inevitably don't know. And maybe you won't really be able to get to know. And that is also okay. I think the foundational component of self-awareness that I really want to drive home for this episode is that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not know things. It's okay to say the wrong thing initially. It's okay to miss out on something in your surroundings. But I think what you need to consider with this is that everything has to be a learning experience. So if there is a time where you are not aware of something in your surroundings and something happens, be aware of it from now on. If you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, learn from it. Don't make that mistake again. Never hurt somebody intentionally. And then when it comes to your intellectual self-awareness, if it's something that is clearly a gap and that you need to understand to not be an ignorant person, learn it. Grow from it. Again, we're not perfect creatures. We're not perfect animals. We're not perfect human beings. But what we can be collectively is more self-aware. We can understand ourselves in this physical space, in this spiritual reality, whatever we believe to exist within, and essentially just take everything as a learning opportunity, but don't take anything for granted. And understand that while we're not perfect, being self-aware is a core, an integral part of being human. And it's using your perception for your own benefit, for your personal growth, to be a better person for yourself and for everyone else around you. And if you could truly, Steeps, be self-aware of your own self-awareness and acknowledge it and own it, then you are most certainly on the right path to be the most extraordinary version of yourself that you possibly can be. Thanks for listening about self-awareness. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please leave a review and subscribe for the latest freshly brewed ice cold content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.